This is Teachers Talk Radio, and you are listening live. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Teachers Talk Radio with me, Holly Kingmand, on the Thursday morning break. Today, we are talking about the Education Secretary. If you were EdSec for a week, what would you do? Are you ready? Grab a cup of tea, get ready. We're going to have the conversation. This is Teachers Talk Radio, and you are listening live. Tune in live at ttradio.org or to join in the conversation, download the Podbean app and search Teachers Talk Radio. Follow the hashtag TT Radio. Tune in, talk it out with Teachers Talk Radio. Hello, everybody. Welcome back. So, it's been two weeks since I've given you your Thursday morning break chit chat. And this week we are talking about our brand new education secretary. Well, in fact, we're not really talking about Kit Malthouse, although I will uh, give you some snippets about him in just a moment. But what we are talking about is if we were the brand new education secretary, for one week, which, as I've said countless times, <laughs> is actually considerably longer than some of our recent education secretaries, what would you do? What changes would you make? Now, in my last show, I told you about a post that I shared on social media from Ben Fogel about education and exam reform and um, how it had gathered so much traction. And I think it's had now something like 12,000 shares from my page. Uh, but of course, from Ben Fogel's page, it's probably had, you know, thousands and thousands more. And uh, lots of people were all putting their comments underneath about, yes, I agree, or I don't agree. This is what I would change. This is how I would do it. And I thought it would make a really good show to listen to different people's ideas um, on, on the topic. But before we get on to all the different ideas, and I've got lots of great callers lined up today to share what they think, I thought it might be worth reflecting on the role of education secretary. Uh, now, Kit Malthouse has been our education secretary for two days. I'm not entirely sure uh, if two days is enough to really see what he is made of and what he is prepared to do to make education amazing. Um, but I, I live in hope. Um, but I had a little look at what the actual responsibilities of the Education Secretary were. Um, and I'm going to read out this list for you. It's from the um, government website. So they're responsible for early years, children's social care, families, teacher recruitment and retention, massive one, uh, the school curriculum, school improvement, academies and free schools, further education, apprenticeships and skills, higher education and oversight of the departmental coronavirus recovery. So that is a lot to cover. And you would think such important jobs and such a, an important remit for this role would require the education secretary to have significant skills and experience and interest and passion for education. But as we all know, that is not the case, sadly. And um, 
Kit Morthouse brings with him lots of skills, I'm sure, lots of transferable skills that he can apply to his new role. But he does have a background in economics. He's been Minister of State for Crime, Policing um, and the Fire Service. He was Minister of State for Housing. Uh, he's worked in lots of different areas of government, but not any that I can see that would show that he has insight and um and understanding and experience that would lead to him becoming a particularly successful education secretary. But um, I am a glass half full person, so I am hoping that he will be the person to to make some really good positive changes for us. He's in his 50s, if you haven't already looked up who Kit Morthouse is. Um, He was born in Liverpool. Um, he went to an ordinary primary school. He went to Liverpool Academy, which was at the time a private school. Um, it's since uh, converted to um, a state academy. And he studied at Newcastle University. So he really is very much a northerner. And I hope all of the northerners are behind him and supporting him to hopefully be the best EdSec that we've ever had. <laughs> I, I hope. I, I don't know whether I am really genuinely hopeful or <laughs> whether I'm just repeating these words and trying to feel confident about it. Uh, but he does come with a good record, a positive record for success in the areas that he has worked in. And uh, he is responsible for the what is called the Malthouse Compromise. Now, that's something to do with uh, Brexit. Um, I am not I'm not an expert in this field, so I'm not going to try and explain the whole thing, although I did look it up um, and it was to get people with different points of views to come together and have some sort of compromise over um, Brexit. So maybe that could actually be something really positive that he could bring to his role as education secretary. If he if he does have the ability to create really good compromises so that all parties feel like they're um, heard and listened to um, and that their interests are um, a, a part of the decision-making process, then maybe that is something that could really work to his advantage. So, so let's hope, let's keep our fingers crossed. Um, so, as I said, I did put this out on my social media channels. I asked people, if you were EdSec for the week, what would you do? And we had some really in- interesting responses. Um, I've invited some of those people to call into the show today and um, share their ideas. We'd love to hear them. You, you still can if you want to call into the show today. By all means, please do. Um, but I thought I would share some of those responses Um, with you some of the ones that I received on social media so let's see we had one from Rowan now um, this is one I particularly like and one that was coming up quite frequently Rowan says a week is not a long time but assuming you could start something I'd look at how we could put some distance between politics and education maybe start legislating for a standalone education body responsible for the day-to-day delivery of education across the UK with only core responsibilities remaining in the education secretary's hands, um, powers of last resort, etc. Rowan says, setting up a body that has the legal responsibility to provide the best education possible, not driven by politics, seems sensible to me. And I think we could all probably agree with that. If you work in education, um, it, it, or in, in any of those areas that are a responsibility of 
Kit Malthouse, you may you may feel strongly that that, that is the way forward. Um, let's see. We also have um, from Ali. Ali says, uh, find a better way to assess and celebrate achievements in learning as opposed to examination. So Ali is obviously not a big fan of exams. She says on A-level results day, the BBC interviewed the EdSec at the time, even though it was only a couple of weeks ago, uh, who claim that exams are the best way to assess achievement. Ali says, I wholeheartedly disagree. Exams are the cheapest way to assess achievement and not the most effective. Good point, Ali. Um, Selena makes a really good comment. Selena says, if I were education secretary, I would make it compulsory for all teachers to receive training on dyspraxia, dyscalculia and dyslexia on a yearly basis. Yearly, right. Okay, yes. I would also trial red flag screening at an early school age so that learning issues could be identified earlier. That is a really, really good point there. Selena goes on to say, I would also look at scrapping all SATs in primary school, introducing more forest schools. And in secondary schools, I would ensure that each school budgeted and had in place at least one school counsellor or psychologist. I would also increase the coursework element of GCSEs and look at using OSCEs or VIVAs as tools of examination instead of written. I would look at the PSHE curriculum in secondary school and use Martin Lewis's financial guide for secondary school students. Uh, lots of people have said similar things about the practical skills, yeah. Um, and I would also provide a structure for talking about emotional well-being, mental health first aid and healthy relationships. And I think that is kind of already there, isn't it? But whether that's something that an education secretary has put in place and is driving maybe not so yes that could be a really good uh, change to make selena and she also adds senior leadership team recruitment should include looking at values compassion and involve the children and parents oh i wonder if that one is a bit up for debate um i like the idea of having a school community and having a school community it, it does suggest that everyone would sort of you know share their opinion on something and bring in a new leader into the school could be a sort of a group discussion I'm not sure though how I feel about children and parents picking new school leaders I don't know what what do you what do you think you can uh, join the conversation here on Podbean live um, in the studio or call in share what you think or, of course, you can always join the conversation on Twitter, Instagram, using the hashtag TTRadio2022. Uh, we'd love to hear your thoughts on this. So uh, Selena actually goes on to explain a little bit more about why she would do the things that she would, would do if she had that one week as education secretary. I don't know when she would sleep. She's got lots of great ideas and only a week to do it. Uh, she says, I have an 11-year-old son with dyspraxia. It's been a really long journey to get him the help and support he needed to help him to thrive. I'm a nurse and I've worked with lots of vulnerable and looked after children. So I've seen the outcomes for children that don't fit with our education system, which is a travesty as these children have so much resilience, compassion and tenacity that with the right support, they could thrive. I would prioritise a counsellor or psychologist in a school as an immediate act. So there's something tangible that Selena would do at the, at the start there. Um, she prioritised getting a counsellor or a psychologist in a school. Yep, I could definitely get behind that idea. That's great. 
Um, lots of people commented about languages and um, different schemes for getting people or getting people, getting children, teens, university students uh, to get the opportunity to work all over the world. And I would get behind that. But I do think the whole Brexit movement really has rather it hasn't really opened up our country, has it? It's made us more closed. And um, yeah, I think. I would like to see an education secretary really um, open those doors again and make the world seem more accessible for our learners and rather than a focus on just us here at home. Uh, so in just a moment, we are going to speak to uh, Sue and Sally. Uh, they are going to share what they think um, they would do if they were education secretary for the week. And um, I think we've got Sue and Sally now. Are you there? We are. Can you hear us? I can. I can hear. I can hear you. Uh, oh, welcome to Talk Radio. See the dog. Sorry. <laughs> You've got some dogs there. <laughs> join in. Are they going to join in? The dogs? Are they, are they? They got views on this. She's got a lot. She's got a lot of views. Lot to say for herself. <laughs> Okay, uh, so uh, we've got both of you, two people there. So uh, how are you connected to education? Um, well, we are both uh, ex-teachers. Um, okay. Primary teachers, Sally um, was deputy and head for a little stint, weren't you? Yes, did an interim headship. Um, we now have moved out of classroom teaching, actually, and we created our own business called Redbird Tutoring, which... Um, incorporate some of the things that we thought were missing from teaching <laughs> okay so you'd probably be good people to to be education secretary for a week Thanks for inviting us yes um... <laughs> so um if you could take on the role for a week where where would you start what changes would you make i my main thing because i know how much ofsted is a specter over schools and my, my main thing would be to reassign Ofsted to a, a more supportive body, to actually be something, a, a body that um, nurtures, advises, is non-judgmental, and actually celebrates the amazing schools that are out there rather than make them feel cowed into a corner. Um, that would be my number one priority, I think. Yeah, I think that would, that would make a huge impact on just the whole gosh on teachers mental health um how schools get better and progress just oh, it makes such a big difference a small change like that or big change <laughs> i just terrified uh, i i think sally sally's often doing polls on education and that and i think there was oh it was a massive percentage of heads that would do away with ofsted um, because it, it's so debilitating for, for schools, which is crazy. Presumably that's not what it was supposed to be. Mm. Um, I'd love to see it moved forward more as a um, a body that offer sort of coaching and support rather than sort of box ticking and, you know, you're not doing this, you're not doing that. Maybe let these are the things we're going to help you improve on. Um, um, uh, that, I'm sure that's what and everybody everybody would want. I can't imagine anybody thinking, yay, Ofsted, uh, let's come in and 
tell us what we're doing wrong and um you know and quite often Ofsted come in and tell you how somebody else is doing it better but there's there, there are thousands and thousands of schools in the country someone's bound to be doing everything better than every any school uh, but you'll be doing good stuff just because somebody else is doing it better doesn't mean you're not doing good stuff you know yeah absolutely um so what other changes would you make or would, would that be your sole focus well, I've got hundreds. We've got loads. <laughs> let's hear them. Let's hear them. <laughs> my my biggest thing would be around the primary curriculum. I just I think we need to massively reduce the content of the primary curriculum, especially in English and maths, because I'm, I'm I'm a massive believer in the quote: "Don't practice till you get it right. Practice until you can't get it wrong." And there just isn't space at the moment to practice and practice and practice those basic skills until the majority of children are fluent. And, and if there was space, and I actually agree with the government target of 90% of children leaving primary school having made age-related expectations, of course that makes sense, but I don't think that's going to happen with the current curriculum. Um, there's just too much and there isn't the space mm. for children to, to really master things. I feel like they're always on the edge of grasping something and then we have to move on. Um, and, and we find that at, at, at Redbird, that's, part, that's what we see our role as, is, is catching those children and allowing them to master we go over and over stuff until they're like yeah i've got this now i've got this now brilliant mm -hmm. and and that would if that was happening in schools yeah well and the fact yeah. that year after year teachers work their socks off and sometimes they they sacrifice non-core subjects and they they teach test techniques to 10 year olds and still the highest the national average has ever been is 65 percent of children meeting age-related expectations across reading, writing, maths. And this should tell us really that the expectations are just completely unrealistic. And yeah. if we simplified the content and gave time and space for the children to master it, then then secondary schools would have a really good solid base to, to, to build on. Yeah, excellent. I like it. Another great, um, great thing to implement. What's next? And, um, well, part of that for me is that the reduction in the maths and English, you know, timetable, if you like, I, I know at most primary schools, I'm sure you know as well, have gone right over to the sort of secondary. We do maths here, we do English here, you know, way, way away from the sort of thematic, topic driven, um, lovely stuff that used to happen in primary schools. And what all that's happened is the because I'm musical, it it's criminal the the little amount that the creative arts are given in in primary school because everyone's terrified of getting their maths and English results up, um to, to the absolute detriment, especially mm -hmm. in year six. Year six is a should be a, a massive celebration of, you know these how these children have matured, but it's just not it's not mm. like no, it's an exam machine, isn't it? And, and actually, I, I'd probably get rid of any reference to year groups within the primary curriculum. Yeah. I'd, I'd like to set set the outcomes you'd like schools to achieve by the end of year six, and then just let schools decide the best way, the best pace to teach to achieve this. And that's going to be different for different year groups. I mean, we employ highly trained professionals, and then we don't let them do their job. We micromanage them from the highest levels. Um, if they just said, right, by the end of year six, this is what we'd like children to do, schools could could adapt it to the cohorts, to their context, to whatever and and set their own learning journey to get there by the end and i think that would be a huge a huge improvement which of course is what you know i've been teaching a billion years and and uh, well yeah nearly yeah yeah, yeah. actually nearly. <laughs> 30 years i started and that was interestingly when i was at university the national curriculum came in where i had 
folders for every subject. Um, and I was only lots, like my second year of teaching when the literacy strategy and then the numeracy strategy came in. But even then, the, the, the way that everything was taught, the, the pace was in the hands of the school. And that's just gone. And and it's gone because there are now seven statutory assessment points within the seven yeah. years of primary school, which is another travesty. So that's that 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 would be my I would take all mandatory testing out of primary Me school. Too. Um and if you if you did that, if you if you let schools decide what assessment's appropriate in their school to assure ensure that children are achieving, then then if Ofsted, if we need to keep them, can decide whether they're doing it correctly or even parents can decide, you know, at the end of the day, parents decide which school their children go to. And if the school's not doing well, parents will leave. And it, you know, again, if Ofsted is that supportive body, mm. you know, if yeah. the school, they can come in and support. But by how, but it seems that they put all these micromanagement rules in and actually it causes more problems than than it solves. Um, interestingly, um, Sally's, well, we're both on Board of Governors. Um, Sally's been invited in to her local village as a, you know, let's look at the school as the heart of the community, as part of the community. And I, and I think mm. going back to that, you know, the, mm. the last school we were both at, um, we introduced all sorts of things, actually, before we got said, right, that's enough. Before um, <laughs> concentrate on all things. Yeah. yeah, so we we had the local WI. They came in and heard, uh, not, they didn't even hear readers, actually. They played they, board they, games. They played board games with the children that were struggling to come into school. Made a massive difference. Mm -hmm. We introduced um, Breakfast Club mm -hmm. that was... Free for adults within the well. school. The adults came in. Oh God, that went bizarre, mm -hmm. didn't it? it? Was a it was essentially to try and make sure that the disadvantaged children actually ate, um, but actually it went and got there on time. It went bizarre, didn't it? Um, mm -hmm. And things like that, that that you know, inviting. We did that. There's that a time bloom, you know, all yeah. those sorts of community things mm. that that through various being terrified of letting anybody in the school for fear that they might. Do whatever. Um, you know, all that is is slipping away and it's just it... primary schools really should be we should be teaching children to be at the core of their community. Yeah. There's a time bank of volunteers in our local village. And I just think it would be lovely if somebody put on there they were going away, can someone come water their potted plants? And reception children went. Yeah. That'd be great. Yeah, we'll do it. Yeah. <laughs> it sounds lovely. It does sound lovely, but well, it, it... is it practical? Really I think it should be. I agree. I'm just playing devil's advocate. But to get to phase five phonics by the end of year R, every single child, every single day, you know, yeah, of course it would. And what would we be teaching those children? We'd be teaching them you're part of a community. You have responsibilities to each other. And these are important values. Mm. These are important. You know, it annoys me that schools are, um, lots of schools are saying, oh, I'm value school, value school. But actually... Uh, to, to Only put within it in, the walls. <laughs> to put it into practice in the community would be would be fantastic. Yeah, and that's what's make, what makes those values sort of real, livable values that are part of the the child that they help create, isn't it? Rather than just having them on uh, <laughs> a really nice display on the school reception, these are our you know values. They need to be really woven into this month the, the children. Yeah.
not next month but just this month yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> ladies i've really loved listening to your ideas thank you so much for calling into teachers talk radio and do you know what i think the job should be split between the two of you i think you yeah. do a great job <laughs> thank you so much okay, thank you bye bye Okay, um, we oh, we almost had another caller. Um, they they called and then then hung up on the switchboard. If you'd like to call in, uh, please do call into the studio. I'm, I'm open to hearing all sorts of ideas around what you would do if you were education secretary for a week. It's only a week, but it's longer than most of our recent education secretaries. What difference would you make? Uh, so. We are lucky to have some other callers lined up and um, we're going we're gonna to hear from those now. <laughs> A lot of ringing there, maybe. <laughs> Maybe a little bit too much ringing. <laughs> Hello, Roz. Thank you for talking to Teachers Talk Radio. Welcome. Thank you for inviting me. <laughs> well, so, EdSec for a week. What would you do? I think that one of the key things that we need to introduce awareness of is assistive technologies within schools um, because there are a lot of people who have a disability whether it's diagnosed or not diagnosed and that can include things like dyslexia um, and being aware of what's already available can be really really useful uh, am I able to go into a screen share on here I'm not am I um, no unfortunately <laughs> not okay I'll just have to describe some of these things to you then because I've got a few screens up that I could have shared but anyway so for example I'm thinking of things like um, if we use edge as a browser um, then within that there's a tool where I can just get things read aloud so I can bring up a screen it'll read aloud and I can put various settings on I can make it read faster or slower I can choose the voice I can get words highlighted as they're read um, and you can also use something called the immersive reader which would allow you to highlight parts of speech within that so if you wanted to bring up all the nouns and then all the adjectives so you could see how the adjectives were working with the nouns within a text so it gets quite exciting all the things that you can do yeah now I, I think whilst these things have been designed as assistive technologies and primarily for people with disabilities almost anybody would be interested in using these things. I certainly have a lot of colleagues who I've shown who don't have any print deficit at all. They're able to read very fluently, but they really enjoy putting these things on because somehow being read to is actually quite nice. So you can bring up a text or a document on the screen and actually have it read aloud to you. So I don't, I don't know. Have you ever tried that, Holly? No, I haven't. I've um, I've listened to some audio books. Um, I know it's not quite the same thing, um, but I, I I did look recently on um, YouTube for texts that I was working with with some students on um, to see if they were were recorded anywhere because for those that found the reading of a book difficult that was the the perfect alternative but i just i didn't realize that you that it would if you used edge for example that you could just 
I think most of the browsers have something similar built yeah. in, but I'm finding Edge works particularly well at the moment. So it's literally the three dots in the corner, yeah. read aloud, and then you just click where you want to go. And there are so many different voices to choose from. So it's great fun because you can have something read to you in an Australian accent <laughs> or an American <laughs> accent or, or the UK. There's, there's even um, through Call Scotland, the Scottish voices as well. Oh, really? Um, <laughs> and you can, you can choose adults or children's voices as well. So there's this whole range of voices now. And of course, they are uh, automated voices, but they've managed to build in intonation and things so well. Oh, see that, so that I'm glad that you've said that because I think what some learners that I work with that, that might struggle with their their reading and their understanding is that being able to create fluency in their own reading aloud, and you, you people don't naturally have that. You have to hear it, don't you? To be it's, it's not to... going to be as interesting as listening to a great storyteller but for somebody who wants some assistance whilst they're working at the screen it can be really really useful so i think that's that's one of the first things that i would look at really is is using these features now also in office 365 to help writers you have the dictate function so if you open up a word document now you can do the same with um google docs as well you yes. can click onto the yeah. microphone and you can use the dictate function so you can speak and actually I think it develops an interesting skill in itself because there's something different between typing and then thinking ahead for what you want to say and actually dictating it so that it appears on the screen yeah a whole a whole, a whole new skill in itself really it is that, yeah you know, and, with, and for those that are accuracy for, for those that are also foreign language learners, you can try dictating in French or German, so you can develop your linguistic skills as a whole. Um, but obviously, you know, today we're focusing on the English, but it is interesting to see how your voice can um, adapt and 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 you dictate onto the screen um, and then you can go on from there because you can listen back to it again so if you use the features in word like the immersive reader or like the the speak aloud you can dictate something and then listen back to it it's something we use with students at university to get them proofreading um, so so they they create a paragraph and then listen back to it to see what it sounds like Wow. Uh, so if you were EdSec for a week, would you sort of, um, would that be something you'd want all teachers to have more training on? Because I, I don't think it's something we, I mean, I know that if I'm in a hurry, I can sort of, you know, say my shopping list into my, into note, notes on my phone, but really I hadn't thought about how I could use that in the classroom with I, th I mean, personally, I think that there is a growing role in assistive technologies. I actually would love to see an assistive technologist in every school in the, the country, because I think that so many children perhaps slip through a net sometimes where they could actually with a bit of assistive technology, build skills and resilience and actually become much better as independent learners. I've seen so many cases where once somebody is um, given the appropriate tools, their confidence just really zooms ahead. And then the assistive technologist would be able to work with all staff to ensure that everybody has the basic knowledge. Yeah, it would be so great if schools, if all schools had just one, but I suppose would this be something at the moment that would be handled by the Senko in the school? Do you think? I think so. And some Senkos are really up to speed on technology and do a great job. It's just that you know being aware of all of the the range of assistive technologies that are available because the last five years has seen such a huge leap 
in the way that people can use these technologies because they've been really integrated and embedded into the systems that we use every day. So where previously you might have been installing a separate toolbar such as Read and Write Gold to do something, many of those features are now included in Office 365, in the browsers, in Google, um, and, and it's really building that awareness that the tools are there already. Some children will benefit from a separate toolbar, but a lot can actually just use the native functions that are there now. Amazing. And you sound like you've got lots of expertise in this field. Is this part of your, your job or just an interest? Um, I've been a learning technologist of sorts for about 30 years. I started by helping teachers to word process their documents. So when people were still handwriting things and copying them on the band of copier at schools, that, that's where I started. <laughs> um, so I've been through, I, I've overseen things like introductions of interactive whiteboards. I did a big project on mobile learning. Um, and then it's in the last five years that I've really specialised in assistive technologies and accessibility. So and it's a great field to be involved in yeah i bet it sounds it sounds so interesting i'm actually thinking i might have to tap you up to come back for a full uh interview on teachers talk radio because um it, it's it's something that is not sort of widely considered you know when you when you think of teachers talk radio and, and or having cpd at school these extra things you think of I don't know, all like the, the buzz topics, don't you? Or the general topics. You don't think of anything that's seemingly specialist. I think um, it's so important that we do embed it into the teaching and learning. And I don't think anybody's suggesting that this is a replacement for any of the traditional methods, that there would be, you know, really good uses for all of those still. But I think for some children, it can just give them that leg up that they yeah. need. Yeah. Um, and certainly with one of my own children, I've seen the difference that being able to read online has made to her willingness to actually read things. Um, so I I, I can see real potential in this um, and we know that children are finding some of these things on their own so actually if they can be led to them and use them in the classroom as well I think that can be really useful yeah definitely um edsec for a week would you do it <laughs> would I be edsec for a week <laughs> it's longer than most of our recent I, I was gonna say how long are we having recent ones for <laughs> um oh I, I would I would love to have a go at it. It would be fascinating, but I think it's a, it, I personally I would actually remove education from political sphere altogether and have a separate organization running it because I'm not sure that putting education yeah. in politics really works. Um, I, I couldn't agree with you more. And in fact, when I put this question out on my social media channels, lots of people were saying the same thing that they would separate education from politics because it just it just doesn't belong there. Um, and it doesn't serve education to be there. Um, I think if you're just looking for quick results and sound bites, it's not a solid foundation to build young people's futures on. Yeah. And I've been in education a long time now, in the 30 years that I've done looking at educational technology. We've been through so many swings and roundabouts and one year you have funding and the next year you don't have funding. I would just like to see something more long-term. stability. And solid, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Lovely. Ross, thank you so much for speaking to us. Thanks a lot. It, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much indeed for the time.
Okay, and that another great call with some really great ideas. Uh, we've got a live caller into the studio. Hello. 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 Hi. What's your name? Hi. What's your name? This is Sabir from Bangladesh. How are you? Very good. Thank you. Hello, Sabir. Thank you for for calling. So, um, if you were education secretary for the week, um, it in Bangladesh or here in, in England, in the United Kingdom, what changes would you make to education? In fact, I am uh, a not a, I'm not a, uh, not a native English speaker. So just I am a beginner only. That's okay. You can take your time. Okay, no problem. I just want to know that it's a uh, platform with paid or without paid platform to talk to you. On Podbeam, this is completely free. You can talk here; it's not costing you anything, provided you're you're using Wi-Fi, I guess. Oh, that's a free uh, platform to talk to any 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 native speaker, right? Uh, yeah, this is Teachers Talk Radio, and you can call into the studio when we're on a live show and talk to us. And I know there are lots of other radio shows and podcasts that run live through Podbean as well. May I join at any time? Uh, yeah, Teachers Talk Radio. Uh, has... Whenever you are, when, when, whenever you remain online. Uh, yeah, whenever I, I, whenever I we are live, you. you can talk to us. I can call call you, and there is no, I, I I don't have to pay for anything for this. No, but it is a talk show on the radio. So whatever our topic is that day, um, we'll want to talk about that topic. And today we're talking about what changes we would make to the education system. Okay, uh, yeah, your accent is very beautiful, but I'm not so um, uh, expert uh, about your accent. Uh, I'm sorry. That's <laughs> okay. That's don't... okay. That's absolutely fine. So, uh, are you um... British or are you are you a British uh, or from uh, America? Oh, I, I'm British. Oh, British. Yeah, and you, so where did um... you learn English? Did you learn English in Bangladesh? Yes, I I, I, I I want to learn English. I want to be fluent and I accent. I want to improve my accent as well. Because I'm very much, uh, very soon I am I'm going to um, uh, sit for my IELTS exam. So I want to be more fluent. Um, I want I want to improve my accent. Okay. I know English. My, my, uh, I know English. Uh, my, uh, uh, my medium for medium of instruction of my undergraduate level was also in English. But I have some hesitation uh, when uh, whenever I uh, deliver some speech, uh, I, I have some hesitation. Okay. Well, that's completely normal, Sabir, when you're learning um, a new language, and you're a braver person than I am because my uh, language skills outside of English are not excellent, and I rarely have the confidence to use them, um, especially not calling in um, to a, a radio station. So thank you so much for your call, Sabir. Um, and do continue tuning into Teachers Talk Radio. You're always welcome to listen to the conversation and call into the studio. Okay, so uh, let's get our next call.
an excess of ringing once again. <laughs> uh, who's next? Who's our next caller? Hello, Natalie. So uh, welcome to Teachers Talk Radio. Hello. Hello. So if you were EdSec for a week, what would you do? There's quite a few things I think I would change. Mm -hmm. um, first and the biggest one, I think, is to provide schools with larger budgets to go towards more resources, um, more equipment. Um, we're still of equipment, just just all resources. Obviously, schools just, need everything. But I mean, paper would be a good one. <laughs> yeah. we, I work in a nursery, and we do often run out of paper and card, and that's a staple in the EYFS. Um, and I just, I just think you know all those basic things that children need to be able to be independent in their learning. We need to we need we need more funding for those okay so money for resources mm, higher wages for particularly support staff because yes. we've got such a huge lack of one-to-one -one support and they're vital to every classroom so without you know they can get paid more working in tesco i know so shocking and i think they're balloting to strike um mm, moment well, they're, they're balloting around like um pay and i i hope that they do strike to be i do yeah and i hope that all teachers get behind them as well i'm fully with you on that one yeah That's good what else would you do um more investment in e eyfs because that is the start of their journey of their school journey and we struggle so much for just things that we can enrich their learning journey with because we haven't got the funding support the same way a school does so i just think even though many nurseries are private or partly privatized they just need a lot more funding thrown into them to to get more kids to love learning before they even get to school i did um i interviewed um some eyfs teachers mm um months back now um and we were talking about why they are often called staff rather than teachers yeah um and i call i call my children's um eyfs staff teachers they're their teachers yeah. uh, i definitely think there needs to be some investment in you know your resources and that whole phase um and also the salaries for the staff like like you yeah. said it's an important part of a learning journey that if we were to, we're to attract the right people and and the yeah. best people not that there's anything wrong with the staff that are working across the country at the moment mm. but they deserve to be recognized yeah and paid accordingly yeah and it works very differently to the school setting if you're in a separate nursery um i just kind of and we've had issues of you're stealing our children from the school and things like this and it doesn't need to be like that. It's, you know, it should all be one big budget and it's all split around everyone, really. I just, it just, it just needs more work. Um, other things I think are things like SEN, improving SEN, more training regarding complex needs. Um, it's so, so difficult to get a space at a special needs school that we need to have more trained staff who are highly trained to be able to deal with those complex children so that they're not just out of the classroom running around going crazy 
hurting staff that there just needs to be so much more put into sen yeah to i think classroom teachers and um support staff all deserve and, and need lots of extra training um, yeah. i saw something um on twitter uh, last week where somebody said a um they were mentoring an ect that mm. not had any sen training whatsoever yeah. before she started working in a school and i just find that crazy insane to be able to then go and teach in a classroom with you know diverse learners yeah. i mean in, in our setting we have i think i've got nine children because i'm senko for our our uh, team as well i think i've got nine on sem plans and i still have more that i need to put on and that's with one year group and you just think if you go into a school with no training whatsoever in sen let alone all the complexities that go with it, it's going to make it very difficult for you to do your job. Yeah, God, goodness, it's it's crazy. I do think yeah. Yeah, there needs to be some. I mean, it needs to be worked in. I think to um, yeah. um, before people mm. end up in the classroom. Yeah, otherwise you're just on a back foot before you even start. So, yeah. and the only people that it lets down are the learners, isn't it? The kids. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. And that's what, you know, you go into that role to do is to teach and, so you know, you, best opportunities. Yeah. And I mean, you do have to teach send children very differently because they're not going to follow that straight and narrow pathway that the frameworks want you to follow. They're going to follow their own paths, um, which is kind of why I think they should change the curriculum in schools as well, because not everyone follows that that direct route it's, it's a one size fits all and i just i just don't think that works for many children yeah couldn't agree with you more natalie couldn't agree with you more so um, would you like the job of edsec <laughs> no <laughs> i wouldn't but i know what i would do with my uh, time <laughs> excellent some great ideas there natalie thank you so much for your call Thank you very much. Thank you. Bye. Hello, Felix. Thank you for talking to Teachers Talk Radio. Um, so if you were Education Secretary for a week, and let's face it, a week is longer than most of the Education Secretaries we've had over the last year, <laughs> what, what would you do? What changes would you make to education? Uh, well, definitely one of the biggest changes like, is about funding. Uh, uh, I had the chance to work in different schools all across London, like North London, South London, West London, East London, doesn't really matter. It's like funding, schools need funding. Uh, we are, uh, it's like the factory that makes everything. It's like we make lawyers, we make doctors, we make architects, we make everything. Yes, yeah, I think the government forget that, don't they? Yeah, and uh, we make prime ministers too, we make uh, politicians too, so it's like, and uh, the problem is that uh, there is not enough, there is never enough. Uh, but, we have overcrowded classes uh, because there is not enough money for it. There's not enough money to have another teacher who gets that class. 
Uh, so we have a maximum of, of, of 32, like I have 32 uh, kids in my class because there is no more room for more. That's Do you it. think if there was more room that they would, oh, yeah, I would have more, I would have stack them in? Uh, that for me is like, is key. The equipment and some of the stuff that, uh, that, that, that the kids get to use is like completely obsolete. It's like that has been out of date for, for ages and uh, some of the materials, the access to material, everything is so expensive. Yeah, another caller said the same thing actually, actually, and they were saying that they frequently run out of paper and coloured card and things like that, and they just can't afford to keep buying it. And that should be a staple of every classroom, you know, every classroom should have plenty of those things. You know, this 100% of our salary almost goes to extra things like there's always like buying glue sticks and uh, things for the decoration of my classroom and uh, my own uh, material because the one that they give me at, uh, at school is not good enough or is not sufficient enough so yeah they give you like two board pens that also oh, that's gonna last me for a whole <laughs> uh, by the end of, of the third week the two pens are gone so it's, it's, it's completely and absolutely ridiculous so for me that's that's key and definitely i have to pull one for for languages it's like primordial emphasis on on languages uh, I don't know how many times we can say things like who learns a different language, lives a different life. Uh, it opens so many doors in so many fields. It's not, it's, it's not just the one. I, I constantly tell my kids, and uh, we are lucky, the school that I'm in, they never complain and they never say, oh, what's the point of me learning French? What's the point of me learning Spanish? Yeah, yeah. They never say that. So they have an extra amount of motivation, but just... Uh, telling them, well, you know, in the future, I don't know what you're going to be. You're going to be a doctor, you're going to be a lawyer, you're going to be an architect, you're whatever you want to be. And uh, at some point, your supervisor, your manager, your boss will say, oh, we're going to be working on this project uh, with uh, Argentina. And we need somebody who, apart from being a brilliant architect, can be like the liaison, can be the, the, the yeah, uh, yeah. Or in between the two teams. Who do you think they're going to pick? They're going to pick the person who, who's got that extra added value. Uh, yeah, that skill. That is that modern foreign, uh, foreign language. And I tell them, I said, I'm an English teacher. And when they look at me like funny, because I, I've been teaching now uh, Spanish and French and Italian and Latin for like almost 10 years now. And they look at me funny. And I said, I am a, a graduated, a certified English teacher. And I've taught English in English schools. And for them, <laughs> wax their mind. I'm taking one of your jobs. At, I'm better at your skill than you are. Yeah. That's a really, really interesting uh, point there, Felix, that um, upskilling our kids our students with language skills uh, really will give them the edge on the international market um, and that even goes back to the conversations that i was having uh, earlier in the show today about how uh, maybe as uh, as a country we're, we're becoming quite closed post brexit and actually really being able to um, 
be able to enable our learners to go out into the world and be part of that and be successful in it uh, would be a really, really positive and quite striking uh, a change for the new education secretary to implement. Felix, thank you so much for your call. It really, uh, it, it's been a great one. Okay, uh, so we've got just enough time left today to squeeze in the news. And uh, I will be back next week on Teachers Talk, Talk Radio at 11am on Thursday for your morning break chit chat. Uh, I've got some great shows coming up over the next few weeks. Uh, do keep an eye on my social media channels uh, and all of the Teachers Talk Radio ones to see what topics we've got coming up. We've got a great show tonight on Twitter Spaces. So um, do pop over there tonight and get involved in the conversation. This episode of Teachers Talk Radio has been made possible with support from Witherslack Group, the UK's leading provider of SEN education and care. They're here to support you too through an ever-growing offer of free resources, including webinars, podcasts, articles and events aimed at supporting teaching professionals like you. Visit their website at www.witherslackgroup.co.uk to find out more. Imagine a world where you were free to focus on sparking curiosity in your students and giving them access to the awe and wonder of learning. A world where you were supported to deliver a truly personalised education to help all your learners achieve their potential. No need to imagine it, because that's exactly what the Oxford Smart Curriculum Service delivers. Seamlessly integrating curriculum, resources, assessment, next steps and professional development, every component of Oxford Smart is connected and working to provide you with a uniquely coherent and responsive service that empowers you and your students with transformational effect. The Oxford Smart Curriculum Service. When everything connects, anything is possible. If you have a passion for education and a talent for teaching and learning, the Witherslack Group want to hear from you. Join them as they open an incredible new school in Essex and be a founding teacher of English, Maths, Science or Primary with multiple leadership opportunities available too. As Teachers Talk Radio partners, we know how much they care about the well-being of staff and their offer to you will be superb. To find out more and apply for a role, visit www.withaslackgroup.co.uk forward slash careers. This is Teachers Talk Radio, and this is Teachers Talk Radio News. The Daily Mirror runs a story on school places with headlines claiming that in some areas where schools are oversubscribed, nearly 9 out of 10 parents do not get a place for their child at their first choice secondary school. The article names specific schools in Wolverhampton and Lambeth as the hardest secondary schools to get into, with the primary from Liverpool named as the most difficult to get into. As children return to school for the new academic year, applications for those set to start primary or secondary in September 2023 are set to open soon. The deadline for secondary places is October 31st and January the 15th next year for primary. According to figures published in the article, 83% of applicants got their first choice of secondary school for September 2022, 
a small increase on the 2021 figure of 81%. The proportion of primary school applicants who received their first choice remained at 92%. A full list of England's most oversubscribed schools is published on the Daily Mirror website. In Scotland, council workers due to go out on strike next week have suspended their action after unions received a new pay offer from local authority leaders. The Unison, Unite and GMB unions agreed to suspend strikes in education and in waste services. The Unison, Unite and GMB unions agreed to suspend strikes in education and in waste services. The high-profile waste worker strike has seen rubbish build up in city centres, but action was also set to affect schools and early years provision as members of Unison were set to walk out. Aberdeen Live also reports on possible strike action by Scottish teachers after what unions describe as an insulting pay offer. The 5% pay increase was rejected by the Educational Institute of Scotland's Executive Committee and they have opened a ballot for members concerning industrial action. Members of the union have until the 16th of September to vote on the action. Following the return to school for the new academic year, Eastern Eye reports on advice to schools around school attendance. The advice recommends close partnership work with councils, targeted family support and home visits to address barriers to attendance. These form part of a package of new approaches to ensure that more children are in school every day. The Department for Education is also launching a three-year one-to-one attendance monitoring pilot aimed at tackling the factors behind non-attendance such as bullying and mental health issues. The scheme will be launched in Middlesbrough this year before expanding to other areas next year. A new attendance data visualisation tool is also expected later in September. In some countries on the continent of Africa, a significant barrier to school attendance comes as a result of pregnancy in adolescent girls, according to Human Rights Watch. The organisation says that whilst many countries now have laws and policies in place to protect girls' education, there are still shortcomings, with at least 10 African Union member countries still having no laws related to protecting the retention of students who are pregnant or are adolescent mothers. More on this story can be found on the Human Rights Watch website. In Wales, mandatory sex education lessons will go ahead in the new school term, as the High Court rules in favour of the plan. A group of five parents lost their legal challenge to block the lessons in a hearing on the 31st of August. The group wanted to withdraw their children from the mandatory lessons or stop the rollout of relationships and sexual education altogether. The parents had already been granted a judicial review to be heard in November. RSE is part of the statutory new curriculum in Wales, although half of secondary schools are delaying the new curriculum until 2023. This is Teachers Talk Radio News with Joe Fox. This is Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods, your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio. Hello, this week I complete my series on home connection and getting the best performance. The topic today is why is my upload speed lower than my download speed? In previous episodes, we've discussed bandwidth and the more devices, the more demand, but internet service providers only tend to advertise their download speed. Why is this? Well, because it's higher. Let's take a trip back to the beginning of the internet for general public use. If you're old enough to remember dial-up and what we used to use the internet for pre-2006 when we were introduced to the Facebook boom, the internet was more like a library. You go, search for a book or a web page, 
Use the book for your research, then return it. Traffic or knowledge is mostly one way, downloading to you. The only real use for uploading for the day-to-day -day user of the internet was to request a web page, a very small amount of data, and to send the odd email. Most things we did were all based on downloading. This is called an asymmetric connection. Downloading is given more bandwidth, as it's the most used. This to date is still the fact. Most people download more than they upload. With data transmission being restricted by the size of transmission media being used, it makes sense for there to be more bandwidth dedicated to downloading than to uploading. Uploading has become increasingly more important for people since the development of apps like Facebook. Although developed in 2004, in 2006, due to increasingly better phone technology and the trend of documenting your life and posting it for others to see, the speed that you can upload has become more important. However, if a video or image takes a while to upload, we can do something else. If what you're watching stops, it's the end of the world. If this has given you food for thought, I'd love to hear from you. As we return to work, why not get in touch at TT Radio 2022? Follow us and tell us what you want to know about tech for the new academic year. I'm Steve Woods, and that was Two Minute Tech. Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods, your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio. You've been listening to Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live and listen back at ttradio.org. We look forward to hearing from you next time on Teachers Talk Radio.